Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red, Nottingham Forest podcast from Nottinghamshire Live. My name is Matt Davis and continuing our summer specials, I'd like to be joined by British featherweight champion and big Forest fan Lee Wood. Lee, hello, how are you? All good, mate. All good, thanks. Good, good. Thanks for joining us. Um, I mean, let's just talk boxing for a, a moment. Um, you've got a great career record, but... I don't think you've got anything officially lined up at the moment. What, what's happening with you as we speak? Yeah, so um, I've got some big plans. Uh, I've actually got a fight pretty much nailed down. Um, it's a big one. My biggest to date. Um, I can't announce anything yet, so I need to be careful what I say. But um, it's going to be big, and hopefully in the coming weeks, uh, it'll be coming out. Just in terms of future ambitions then, I mean, obviously every fighter wants to be a, a world champion. I'm sure you're no different. I remember Tony Bellew winning the belt at Goodison Park. Uh, I guess is that your that's your bucket list fight, is it, at the City Ground? Yeah, obviously, before my last fight, I said um, the three things I want to achieve in my career left to do. Uh, win the British title, box for world title, and hopefully win one. And uh, headline at the City Ground, be the first person to do so. So um, they're the three things I want to do. And um, the British title is there. That's been done. The city ground fight that has to be massive. Either a world title uh, defense or fight for a world title, maybe even a final eliminator. But um, yeah, so on on track, uh, and hopefully with my, my news that I'm announcing soon, um, it could be really close. How did you get into boxing then? Because I bet every kid grows up either wants to be a footballer or something like that. I mean, were you was that your ambition, or was it always going to be boxing for you? Um, I wasn't great at football. Um, so in the playground and I played for the school team and I wasn't great I was borderline terrible um, I played a game of the week actually and I played alright but I was, I'm just really fit so I can just run box to box box to box and uh, it probably looks better look, look better than I am <laughs> but um, no I wasn't great at football I think a lot of the at the, at the time I didn't really analyse it but um, the kids was all better than me at football but the dad used to take them um, Football in the week, games at weekend, and I didn't have that. Um, so I used to, well, I used to do all the things and start boxing, and I picked up really quick and I excelled. And I guess that's uh, why I went down that route. And it's just something that I've always enjoyed and very passionate about. And it kind of just boxing just kind of grabbed me, and I just become obsessed with it. I went with some friends that I used to hang around with, and my brother and his mates, and they're all a little bit older than me. But um, kids are going to go from things to things. Pogs and scooters, biking, going judo, karate, boxing. They just kind of flick through things. So at the time, we all went boxing and um, I enjoyed it. And my friend's mum on the street used to take us. One day, my brother didn't go. So I walked up the street to my friend's house and I was just like, is William going boxing? And she said, um, oh, no, he's, he's not going anymore. My mum didn't drive at the time. So I turned around went to walk home and she shot me back. She said, oh, do you want a lift? And I was like, oh, if you don't mind. And then she carried on taking me for about six weeks. And then um, 
one of the other coaches lived on the street, then he started taking me and the rest is history. Do you think you have to be wired a certain way to be a boxer? I mean, I think you're an ice hockey fan, aren't you? I think you have to be wired a certain way to be a goalie in ice hockey. <laughs> so you're going to get hit. It's the same in boxing, is it? You know you're going to take for this physical punishment and not everyone can do that. So do you have to have a certain mindset to succeed? I think boxing's a hard sport. It is a very hard sport. You have to be very mentally strong. Um, you can't be... It's, it's hard to explain, but you can't really uh, listen to what other people say. You have to be very strong-willed, very strong-minded, know what you want to do and just go do it. Because you lot hear a lot of people over time, not just week to week, but over time, over the years, um, he's not good enough, he don't punch hard enough, he's not fit enough, he's not this, he's not that. And um, same as life in general as well, but um, especially in boxing, you've got to be very strong-willed, very strong-minded. As opposed to other sports like ice hockey and motocross, um, I think it's what you're used to. I speak to my friend who races all the time and he comes off his bike and he breaks bones like legs, arms and get him in the gym to get punched in the face. And he's like, whoa, I, I don't like that. And it's like you come, you, fl- you go 20 metres in the air and break your legs, but you don't want to do, want to do a bit of boxing. So I guess it's just what you're used to and um, how you perceive things and how you view things. And I try not to get hit either. I try to do the punching. So that's the that's the main difference. Is there something about the area that you grew up in and boxing? Obviously, Carl Frotz is from very very similar to you. Is is boxing ingrained in that community? There must be something in the water. That's what everyone says. There must be something in the water. Um, obviously, Frotch. I know a lot of good fighters that went through Phoenix Amateur Boxing Club, and um, obviously Frotch, same route, same school, same area. A lot of similarities. Reading his book. It's mind blowing. I'll, I'll be reading it, and some of the things he did that I did, um, it's quite scary. I think one thing I was just like, whoa! Like my mum went to um, Gedlin School, but I'm actually in the area of Carney Willows, and it was a better school. And she knew it was a better school, and everyone knows it's a better school. Um, and she said, I went Gedlin, so you're going Gedlin. And I went to primary junior school, and all my friends went to Willows, and I was really upset. I remember going home, and I was crying on my bed. And uh, I just said, look, I just want to go Willows. All my friends are going, nope, you're going Gedlin. I went Gedlin. You're going Gedlin. And then reading Carl's book, exactly the same thing happened to him. Um, his mum wanted to go Gedlin. He was upset because all his friends went Willows. And it's, yeah, so many similarities between us. And um, it's one of the things that's a little bit strange, but it's uh, it's quite good at the same time. Let's talk Forest then. I mean, when did you really get into them as a kid? What age were you? I think it was like towards the end of primary school. Um, a lot of my friends were Forest fans. My granddad was a massive, or well, still is a massive Forest fan. Um, obviously, because I started boxing at eleven, so I was a Forest fan from around seven or eight. Um, I remember running around the playground, shouting weird names at the time. I think someone was scoring a lot of goals. Um, Pierre Van Oydonk, I think it was yeah. at the time. Um, yeah, and obviously, my granddad. Every time around there, he'd have. They'd have the the games on the radio. I used to drive my other granddad as well. My dad's side uh, used to drop us off home on a Saturday, and results will all be on the radio. But yeah, that's the first the well, first recollection. I think I went to a home game, nineteen ninety seven. I think it was. And I think it was Stockport County. I think it was. It was so a long season. They got promoted but, then. That would be. Yeah, wouldn't it? Okay. yeah, we would have been like League One. I think. Um. Yeah, and that's my first my first memory. Really. We had Matt Ford on this, and we both talked about our first games and how how massive everything felt when you walk into the ground. Do you remember that as a kid as well? Then, yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, 
it's the atmosphere, isn't it? It's quite frightening as a kid. It was for me because obviously, like, everyone's drinking. It's like, <laughs> um, and who did I go with? Yeah, my granddad. And we seem to know everyone. Mm. I think that's the kind of community it is with football fans. Like, over the years, like, it goes through the family. The, the, the pass it on, like, they take their kids and then they end up taking their kids and they take their kids. And I think that's one of the best things about football. It's more of a community thing. And a family thing. So, who were your heroes or the first players you really got into then? Like I said, I think it was Pierre Van Oudon at the time. Um, I think the year before, uh, or around them years, I think it was Pierce and Stan Collymore. But um, Pierre Van Oudon just is in my brain from the spell he had. I think he came for a few years and he was just bagging goals and he was a bit of a hero at my school. So, that was a special team as well, wasn't it? I suppose. I mean, since then, it's been been up and down, hasn't it? People, I mean, you're a bit younger yeah. than me, but you have to be very uh, thick-skinned to be a Forest fan, as <laughs> yeah. in recent, recent times. Um, but yeah, no, it's you support your club uh, through thick and thin, um, and you know, eventually, hopefully, uh, the good times will be back. Do you get down much now with boxing and fighting? Are you able to go? Yeah, I mean, I go to um, normally. The, the, the big games, especially the derby games, always fall on like a Friday or a Sunday or you always get swapped to a Friday or a Sunday. So I get to them. I have my kids at weekends. I've took my daughter down many times. Um, she don't really like it, but she's, it's growing on her. Um, I always get like hot chocolate and some bits, bits and bobs and she does enjoy it, but we keep it um, probably once a month or so, something like that with the home games. Um, but yeah, I train away all week. So I train away Monday to Friday. I come back to Nottingham for two days. Um, depends if we're at home or away. But yeah, I try to get down the best I can. How old is your daughter then? Because I think there's an, an age where you have to take a kid to football. I took my daughter when she was four and I realised that was way too young probably in high school. She was bored. What about you? Yeah, so I took her around the same. I think she was about four. Um, I took her on the pitch at four. Um, took her on the pitch at... No, the first time I took her was actually she was three. I took her when she was three. But only because I was on the pitch and... Um, my girlfriend at the time was looking after her whilst I was doing bits and bobs. And then I took again at four on the pitch and it all got videoed from when we went, from when we got there, arrived at the car park, walked around, walked on the pitch. It was a beautiful summer day. Um, it was right before I beat Joyce for the European title. And it's on my Instagram somewhere. And it is a really nice uh, piece put together by a friend of mine who videoed it. But yeah, she was four and um, big difference between three and four when she went. And she does... She does enjoy, but I just like kids. It's a bit young; they get a bit distracted and like to mess about and that. But um, I'm going to keep taking her regardless. And uh, it's good quality time together. Like, like I said, the atmosphere at the ground and stuff like it's, it's something that is just very special. What's it like for you to go on the pitch? Then, I mean, as a fan, you know, not many people get to do that. Is it a bit mental? Yeah, it is surreal. The first few times uh, I was working with Forest and got invited to the pitch. Um, I didn't have a title or a big I didn't have a big title so um, it was more of a go on have a wave say hello and not many people like really knew who I was and then going back as a champion with the Commonwealth title I got a really good reception and I was like wow that was, I didn't expect it and then um, again with the European title that was crazy it was surreal signing things when I was trying to get a drink at half time and uh, you know, it was it was crazy. And I still haven't been back with the British title yet. So, because uh, of COVID, which is a bit of a kick in the teeth. You know, I spent 20 years, near enough, 
boxing to win that British title and then um, I won it, I had my hand raised and I turned around and no one's there. There's literally just an empty stadium um, and I haven't been able to go down to the ground yet either. So um, hopefully the new season, the crowds are back, I'm able to pop down the belt. Yeah, I mean, people say football's nothing about the fans. I mean, I guess that's even more the case in boxing with ring walks and that atmosphere. How much of a difference does that make to you? Yeah, big difference, you know, when you got the crowd on your side and you sold a lot of tickets, I'm, I do sell a lot of tickets. I've got a big following, especially from Nottingham. Um, normally when you, you're fighting and you land a few good shots and the crowd goes up and you think, yeah, I like that feeling. Or um, even if you just press a fight a little bit and the crowd on your side, it can sway the judges slightly as well. So it can, um, can definitely help you out. It's definitely in your favour. Um, but my last fight, well, not, I knocked him out anyway, so I didn't need them, but... <laughs> It would have been nice to give my fans something back because they've been on a long road with me from turning pro and boxing at uh, Clifton Edge Centre to, uh, you know, to some bigger bills and filling the arena. And been on the right journey with me, so it would have been nice to give them the belt after the fight and pass it around. But um, you know, I'm sure we'll have some bigger nights. I'm I'm pretty confident we'll have some bigger nights ahead anyway. Boxing, unless you like win an Olympic gold, it feels like you have to scratch and claw for everything, don't you? Is that is, is that fair? I to agree, say? Yeah. Absolutely, mate. You start on small hall bills and, and, and build yourself up. It's, uh, very few get that kind of luxury of not having to sell tickets, not having to work your way up, uh, build your profile and then be thrown and slung into hard fights. So I think it is, but it makes it all the more rewarding when you finally make it to the to the place, to the destination you want to get to when you've added the hard, like a hard way. Um, it's more about the journey than the destination, if that makes sense. Just um, going back to being paraded on the pitch, um, I've seen you go on the ice at Panthers as well. I've been on that ice in my work shoes after they won the <laughs> Challenge Cup. Uh, most of the time you worry about falling over. And I, I guess, is that even more the case for you when everyone's eyes are on you? <laughs> Absolutely. The first time I went on, I, was, I said to him, do you not have special shoes or anything like that? No, 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 you'll be fine. Just walk slow. And I thought, I'm going to stack it. <laughs> I think it was like, is it 10,000 when it was Sheffield, uh, Sheffield and Panthers? It's a full ass. And I was thinking, if I, <laughs> if I stack it, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, it's nice to get to Panthers. Um, like I said before, they get behind me, same as Forest, and I do what I can for them. My family are massive Panthers fans on my dad's side. My great nana and uh, uncles and cousins go to nearly every home game. Uh, definitely sponsor players as well, so it's nice for them as well, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's a bit. It's one of them. Every time I go, even though I've been on the ice so many times, it's one I'm always careful of, and I think just. Just take your time, take your time. What do you think it is about Nottingham as a sports city then? Because, you know, Leicester have got Tigers and they've got Leicester City and Derby have got Derby County. But Nottingham's got Forest, Knots, the cricket, the rugby, Panthers. It's it's a different kind of city, you think? Yeah, I just think it's how people are. Like uh, I've done interviews before about what we do for each other and sport, helping sport uh, as a community. Just, just help each other more. Um, sometimes... In other cities, they do their own thing. The, the football club do their own thing. The rugby do theirs, etc. and so forth. Um, but I think in Nottingham, especially the Forest, they've got such a great team at the club that's helping grassroots fo- football, uh, people coming through, charities, former uh, footballers, uh, former athletes. Like They've got so many different organisations like that they're helping. Uh, and I just think that's a, just a positive thing for the club and the community. And, same with Panthers as well. They do similar things. And myself, I tried to do what I can. I was um, I did that charity football game a few weeks ago. 
helping grassroots football for Corton Town. And I think, why not? Well, it takes a day and it's nice to get out there in the sunshine. Nice to meet new people. Nice to help people. Um, there's, some, there's another one coming up on Sunday that I was uh, going to be attending for charity as well. But um, because of my fight that's coming up, I'd like to kind of give it a miss and stay on Essex to train. But yeah, I mean, why not? If I'm not doing anything major, like major events, why not help? Because um, what goes around comes around. You help people, they help you help communities, grassroots football, you know. Just talking a bit more about Forest. then, um, what did you make of last season? Disappointed as the rest of us? Yeah, but I think like a lot of uh, a lot of clubs was in the similar, similar situations because of COVID. It was a crazy season. Um, that's what I'm pointing it down to. I'm pointing it down to COVID. Um, every, every club, every league as well was all over the shop. Um, what what can you do? I didn't expect. It. I think halfway through the season, I said, "Look, try to finish above Derby and not get relegated, and we'll count it as a win because that's where it was heading." So yeah, it was very frustrating, but hopefully the crowd's back in. I think they do play a big part, especially down at our club as well. So back down to the city ground in the new season, and hopefully a lot better year. When you do go down, then are you? You know, prawn sandwich brigade, are you behind the goal? How, how do you? No, work? No, no. I like to be amongst it. Uh, you know, I like to come out and scream Mullock and Tyre straight away when I get there. Um, I used to be in Lower Bridgeford, but um, as of recent times, I've been all over the shop. Depends what I'm doing if I'm on the pitch or I've got sponsors as well that have boxes, so I like to go see them as well. Uh, Skinny Foods, my most recent one, uh, they sponsor for us as well. so I've been in a few boxes, but I do like to be amongst it. I like to be with the fans and like to be making noise and with the chance as well. And that's the best part of the game, in my opinion. What are some of your favourite games and moments that you can think of as a fan? Sure, we haven't had a lot to celebrate in recent years. <laughs> some of the wins against uh, I remember there was a game, I think it was in 2018 or 17, last game of the season. I think it was all on our phones watching the league and watching where everyone finished. Oh, uh, switch, yeah. I think it was a, a Sambalonga scored a goal, I think, and we all went on the pitch after. It was like we'd won the league, <laughs> but we'd just stay up. But no, I mean, like, they're the kind of games that you remember. Um, I think there's a cracking game against Leeds around New Year or Christmas. Osborne scored a goal, I think he did. Was it Leeds? Leeds won where they, yeah, they won 4-2. 4-2, was, was it, yeah? yeah. I, saw, I was behind the goal. I was right behind the goal. For that game, there's been so many games. I think uh, another favourite of mine, I think we did replay. It was just neck and neck. I think we scored, they scored, we scored, they scored. And it kept going. And, um, you know, you get the chance like three, two, and you hit up. <laughs> and it kept changing. And uh, it was such a dramatic game. And they're the favorite, They're my favourite game. Do you know when you come out and you just hammer someone 3-0? And it's yeah. just, it's a good, you want to win. It's a good win. But the games that are competitive, and you both score and you and you win. They're my favourite games. There's so much drama in there and uh, and passion as well. So, and over the years, most had a lot of. <laughs> What's a match day for you? Were you an athlete? I mean, I guess it's a bit cyclical. You'll train hard for sometimes. You might be easing off a bit other times. Are you able to have a beer yeah. and get in the pub before the match or not? <laughs> not often. Not often. Obviously, I go to games during camp when I'm normally on the pitch and after the fight. I go to games before fights. When I'm not, I just go down to regular games. Uh, and I get normally a 12 week period of where I'm fighting. So that's pretty much like three months. So you can imagine how many of them I fight three times a year. That's the year gone. 
But after a fight, I go down. I always uh, have a drink before, see a few people. Yeah, I've been invited to like the boat house around the corner. I've been to Salt Box to meet people. Like depends what. Like, even the Garibaldi lot. I've been to see them before and uh, done question answers on the stage with them and had a drink. So it all depends where I'm at with the boxing. But um, I do like to do both. I like to go down and take my kids and have a hot chocolate and have a bit have a bit of chocolate and, and sweets and stuff and like enjoy it with them. But I like to go with my mates as well and, and sink a pint. Why not? Do you know what I mean? It's it's a, just a different experience depending on who I go with, I guess. Yeah, I mean, is that one of the frustrating things of being a boxer, that that discipline? Does that come hard to you or not, that lifestyle between the fights or not? Yeah, it does, but it just comes with it. It's just part of it. It's what I signed up for. And um, I just know if I don't do the things that I need to do, uh, I'm not going to get where I need to get. And it's as simple as that. Uh, this is a random question. What do you eat after a fight? I think I read... Or saw an interview like Ronda Rousey saying after a, a UFC fight she used to eat a huge bucket load of chicken wings. Do you have a go-to food or anything? I um, normally get a Domino's pizza, a big plain cheese for a big pizza, and have it to myself. Um, I go to like get desserts. I love desserts uh, more than meals, I, I guess. Yeah. So like heavenly desserts, they're not again. Um, I go to quite often. Sticky toffee pudding and custard. So my auntie actually works at a, a school kitchen, and she. Uh, she always makes me something after a fight, like cornflake, tart custard, or January pony custard. So I'm quite lucky. Let's look at Forest next season. Then, I mean, every fan's optimistic, I guess. Are you, you, you're hopeful of this will be the year? I'm, I'm an optimist anyway. So every year I say the same thing. Um, I haven't got a clue what players have come and gone as of yet. Um, I need to, I need to start having a look, but I don't think we know yet, do we? No. But I've seen today we've got the first five games announced. I think Derby County was in there. Did I see yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, start against Coventry City. Yeah, yeah. It's comes around soon. Yeah, I mean, what player-wise? Who, who's left? Who we got? Who's, who's the new players coming? Or do we not know yet? No one. No one. It's all quiet. As we record this, it might change in the next few days, but no, no one's left. I mean, would you be worried if Joe Worrell left or Alex Meissner? I've got a few Forest-related uh, Instagrams on my feed and that and I see a lot of uh, rumours you see them all the time pop up and you don't know what to believe but they've been bang on most of them we've been bang on most of the time uh, but I've seen that Warwick did uh, get an offer put in and they wanted a minimum amount so uh, he could go we don't know um, Graben last year didn't have a, a season he had the season before disappointing um, Joe Lolly I mean He's is he injured still? How long for? Um, so yeah, I don't know. You know, I'd like to see a few new faces, one hundred percent. But I'd also like to see Hutton have a bit more time because I think managers come and go too too quick at Forest, and you don't give him time. I think the Mucha built a team, and Hutton come in and have to just deal with that team that he built. So yeah, I think he definitely needs more time, more time to uh, work with the players and build a team and not just try and work with what he had, if that makes sense. Who are the players you enjoy watching in the last uh, last couple of years? It was Graben uh, up until last season. Uh, <laughs> he, was, he was bagging goals. I was upset, kind of a bit gutted when Cash left. Um, I like Samba. I think he's brilliant. Um, I like Warrior. Well, like most of the team, to be fair. I think um, when they have the day, you know, they play well. But we just, I think we need a few more... Uh, a few more players to a few new faces should I say to just give us a bit of something new 
Um, last year, I'm not even looking at last year because I think just the COVID year just totally messed everything up. Um, but like I said, Chris, you and me to give him more time, uh, bringing a few new faces, and I think we could have a good chance because when we played brilliant, brilliant football last year was was great. Um, but I think just not having the fans and uh, as me as a, a professional athlete, like with the crowds here, I try not to think about it. But as a football fan, it, as a footballer, it must be weird, like having a whole empty stadium. It's slightly different to being in an arena with flags up and. You know, like there's music on and stuff, so it must be different for him. So I think we've got to wait, see what happens at the start of this season. Hopefully, go off to a good start and um, let Chris just start picking and choosing his plays and playing the right play- plays in the right places. Do you think you're now? Now you're a professional athlete. Are you a bit more understanding of players and you watch them as a as a Forest fan in the stands? Because you know, you know, you could have stuff in your personal life. You could be carrying an injury that fans don't know about. Do you kind of? Make a bit more allowances. Yeah, especially after playing that game the other week. Um, <laughs> yeah. You can see, you can, you can kind of, uh, I can kind of relate to him a little bit more. But like, look, if I have a bad day, it's on me. Um, you know, with 11 on a team, it's like you can you can carry someone through. Um, but at the same time, you know, as a manager, you're trying to manage a lot of lads. There's more than 11 players, obviously, off the pitch. Um, just want to go out one night. Just is one a bit ill or has one got an injury, a niggle or you can see trying to manage one person is hard enough. So you're trying to manage all of them. Like, I know lads as well, most of them quite young. You can imagine it's a hard task. Um, I think back in Brian Clough days, you know, I think he, he nailed the, the managing side of things um, and knowing his individuals. I think that's what the, the most important thing is knowing the individuals there's some people that you know you need to go out and let your hair down to get the best out of them. Some of them you say, right, you need to rein it in and stop going out. All different people work different ways, and I think being a good manager knows how to get the best out of every individual. If that makes sense. Yeah. Do you find that with um, boxing? Though I think you changed your trainer relatively recently. Is that does that make a, a big difference to you then as a fighter? Yeah, a big difference. Um, knowing yourself uh, and and the trainer knowing you you fighters like. You're not going to get the same out of every fighter. The training you can't like this fight has gone through time. Tyson, for example, I could pull out five fighters like Froch, Tyson, um, Prince Nazim. Like if they had the same trainer, they wouldn't have all done the same things. So they wouldn't have done as what they, as much what they did with the same trainer. So you got to know um, how to get the best out of your trainer, what works for them, what doesn't work for them. And I think me moving from my previous trainer to my new trainer, that's, that's something that's really. Uh, really been clear with, with Ben like he's such a he's, he reads boxing so well and he knows exactly what I need to do and he knows how to get the best out of me in training as well um, and I think that's important very important and I think it's probably been the best switch in my career and just in time yeah I mean I guess if Brian Clough's a great manager because he was like the master man manager he knew everyone's strengths and weaknesses I mean what makes a great boxing trainer for you then a very similar thing to that. It's knowing your fighter. Um, you can't train everyone the same way. Some some trainers will get a group of fighters and they all do the same thing. They do the same drills. They do the same fitness. They do the same. He literally just takes his blueprint and does everything the same. Where a good trainer will look at an individual and say, right, this isn't going to work for him. The levers are different. The heights are different. Weights are different. Mentalities are different. And a good trainer will 
like kind of sum everything up and know what that individual's got to do to get the best out of them and what's going to work for them. And that's what makes a good trainer. What do you respond to then? Uh, an arm around the shoulder telling you how good you are or a bollocking uh, to tell you how rubbish you are? I, um, I've always been the kind of kid that is told if you can't do something, they, that's the best way to get something out of me. Or you can't run that in that time. You can't do that. You can't do that. That's when I'm like, yeah, I'll show you I can do it kind of thing. Mm. And that's my mentality. That's how it's, I've always been since I was very young. Um, I'm the kind of person if you tap me on the back and say oh you're really good I'd probably go out and get beat so oh, you're the best you're really good it don't do it for me I'll just switch off and you know I like to be on the other side of things definitely 100% how do you I mean footballers go home and if they lose their weekend's ruined I mean how do you cope with the highs and the lows then you, you've you know you've had big wins and you've had tough defeats how do you cope with each of those yeah I think you have to when you take a loss, you have to analyse it and learn from it because you learn more from a loss in a way. When you win, you kind of dismiss it, you forget about it, you get the relief of like, all right, I've won, you celebrate, and you don't really go back and watch that fight and look at what you did wrong because you think, I won, I can forget about it. Mm. So when you do get beat, you kind of sit down and you really think, right, I need to get better and I need to work on my areas of that aren't as good. So then you analyse it, overanalyze everything, Mm. Um, and sometimes some fighters can't do that some fighters get beat and think this isn't for me or they think I'm not good enough and beat yourself up but you've got to like just look at it as more of a like other sports like football like you don't lose a game then jack the season do you mm. I think boxing's becoming slowly becoming more like that like some fighters can lose and they come back and win more titles they can lose they come back and, and be really good fighters and the amount of times Manu has lost I think there's a stigma with uh, Floyd Mayweather like remaining unbeaten and then kids get beaten Jack because they've not done that. And it's like a stigma of getting beat. So um, yeah, 100%. You learn more from a loss and it's all about mentality. If you just keep if you keep uh, the discipline and, and the mentality of I just want you to get better. I don't focus on winning but improving, improving, improving and eventually be a really good fighter. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, always, I'm more interested in the mental side of sport anyway in general. I mean, in boxing... Where's the balance lie between natural talents and mental strength then? Can you succeed without having one of those to any great degree? Yeah, I've had this discussion many times. There's kids from the amateurs that was really talented, really talented, and they was, they was beating everyone. And one even beat me in the amateurs. He was really good. He won everything, boys, club, school, boys, uh, junior UBAs. And then um, as a pro, he didn't do anything. So I think persistency... Um, Great and uh, mental strength, and they're, they're the kind of assets, and just willing to just stick at it no matter what and keep improving. It's sometimes better than having that natural talent early on, and then when it becomes a support, when it's a level playing field in the seniors, and kids, some, some kids are stronger than others as, as a younger, like, and I think as you come through, um, the, the attributes that you have as a kid aren't always the best ones to have going through it's right starting having a bit of an advantage when you're younger but when it comes to level playing field like I said it gets a lot harder you need to be willing to step it up a gear be determined and, and dig in when you get beat and like I said the mentality is probably the, the most important uh, attribute you can have as a fighter having that positive mental attitude willingness to learn uh, to grit down to bite down time and time again through adversity and that's what it takes to be a champion. Do you see a lot of similarities in football? And like you say, I mean, you could be 
the biggest kid in the under 11s who plays up front and scores 50 goals a season. But if he's mentally weak by the time he's 18, he's not going to make it. Is that a universal thing in sport then you reckon? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, it's not as if you're like mentally weak, but, um, you know, you need to be able to take the knocks, take the knocks, um, and know that not every day is going to be your day. Like I've said, I give this advice to a lot of kids as fighters coming through with the amateurs, like, you may not win every fight. There may not be days when you have a good day. You might have a really, really bad day and you feel like, you know what, why am I boxing? Um, or I'm not I'm not good enough or whatever. Don't make a rash decision on a bad day. At the same time, don't over-plan your future thinking how good you are on a good day. You need to stay grounded and neutral. Like, don't make decisions when, you, when you're feeling like that because... I've had days when I've I've sparred that bad. I sparred bad as an amateur one time, one particular time I remember. Um, I knew I'd moved to a gym and I had a really hard spar with him. I, and at the time, I was I was like, anytime I got sparring, I was just like getting the better of everyone. I was on fire. And um, a lad came from another area, came to Phoenix gym, he was training with us for a bit and he was a really hard spar. And he didn't really beat me up, but it was a 50-50 spar and it could have gone either, like it was either way. And I was that upset about it. I remember like, I threw my gloves off and I had a tear in my eye. And I got dropped off at home and I was crying. And I just got my running trainers on. I just remember just running for miles. I was so upset and angry. But, um, you know, you can't make decisions or you can't feel like that. You need to, like, know, right, I lost a spot. Or, right, today was bad. It was a bad, it was a bad day in the office. But there'll be better days ahead. I'm going to improve and keep getting better. I'm not focused on the winning or the losing side of things. Focus on the improvement and working on what I need to work on. And it's sometimes hard to do that when you're in that environment, but um, the best fighters can do it. How much will it mean to you or how much are you looking forward to getting back in the ground then as a Forest fan with your little girl or your mates? How, how good will that be? I can't wait just to be amongst the fans and you know, just the noise of the crowd. Uh, I can't wait to see Muller and Tyre. Um, you know, I can't wait to hear all the all the tracks that come out before photos come out. Um, Born Slipper, you know, that's probably the main one. Yeah, it's been a long time, too long. Um, and I think having that, a lot of people like, need that in their lives. Some like people follow the follow Forest that like quite closely. Like look forward to the games, look forward to the fixtures, you know, it's something they have in their lives, a massive part of their life. Um, and personally as well, like I just can't wait to get back down the game, see everyone that I've not seen for so long. And hopefully, you know, um, no restrictions by the time we're back in the, in the, get, in the ground because um, I want to see a full house. And I think because I'm out of time to ride off, I think we will. Uh, and if people want to follow you and, you know, when your announcement comes out, where's the best way to follow Lee Wood's career? I do post a lot on Instagram, uh, it's Lee Wood. The Twitter is the same. And got, I've got a page on Facebook as well. But yeah, I mean, hopefully going to be announcing a, a big fight in the coming weeks. We're probably going to do it through uh, my sponsor, Skinny Foods and Forest. So I think the Forest, the Forest lot might see something pop up. All being well, I don't want to jinx it, but um, some big news coming up. Well, Lee, thanks for joining us. And thanks for one who listens along as normal. Do appreciate it. Uh, good luck with everything in the next few weeks. Hope it all goes as planned. And we'll catch up with everyone soon. We're back next week with another episode as normal. So thank you very much, everyone. And we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you.